I was just a shag. I knew that. Suppose I fell in love a bit. Like you do. I thought, I'll never see him again. How was I to know? Stuart Allen Jones. <laughs> Six months later, he was begging me to stay. Still queer as folk. From Slightly Unbalanced, we are still queer as folk. UK. I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Welcome back to the first of 10 special episodes of Still Queer as Folk as we dive into the original Queer as Folk UK. The OG. OG. OG UK. <laughs> this show takes place in Manchester on the real life Canal Street neighborhood. Uh, like most UK shows, it had a pretty short run, but packed a lot into just 10 episodes. That's something I really like about British television is that they, it feels like they write this complete storyline and they're going to say, this is it. Yeah, get to the point. Yeah, this is why they call them series. And then it's like series one, series two, series three. It's like, oh, you know where you're going. This isn't, you know, some Ryan Murphy bullshit. Well, we just finished 83 episodes of the U.S. version of Queer's Folk, which, uh, (laughs) what would you call that, Matt? Grueling? I would say it certainly pushed our creative limits at times. <laughs> I listened to a few uh, older episodes and I think uh, season late season four and season five is kind of where we're just like, come on, wrap this up already or give us something special. At that point, we're like, we're committed to at least finishing this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we owe it. We owe it to the fans. Well, quite a few of the stories in the U.S. version were just cleanly copied right out of the U.K. version. I think we should point those out when we see them. For the most part, uh, we're going to try to avoid A-B testing. Yeah, I mean, the comparisons are going to you know inevitably pop up, but we're going to try our best to really keep it as, this is the UK version of the show. We're going to talk about the UK version of the show. This series was actually pretty special to me because it overlapped a time when I was living in England, and it really kind of opened my eyes to this whole world that I really didn't know much about. So I'm really looking forward to talking with you about it, Matt, and seeing what you think of it. Given that I finally got to go to England last year, uh, I'm very excited to share this with you. Okay, let's do this. I loved it there. (laughs) Today, we're talking about episode one of Channel 4's Queer as Folk, and it's called Thursday. It first aired in the UK on February 23rd, 1999. Ouch. I just dated myself. Thursday was directed by Charles McDougall. Uh, he directed the first four episodes of the show and went on to direct notable shows such as Sex and the City, Desperate Housewives, Big Love, The Tudors, The Office, and House of Cards. I love The Tudors, Jonathan Reese Myers. I say that every time, right? <laughs> yeah. The entire Queerest Folk series was written by Russell T. Davies. I've been waiting three years to say that. (laughs) I am a huge fan of the way that he tells stories. And it's not just me either. His writing is on par with another one of my heroes, Aaron Sorkin. He created and wrote shows like Torchwood and the queer trilogy of shows Tofu, Cucumber, and Banana. I think we might have to cover those at some point. They're great. Oh, I'd have fun doing that. His biggest claim to fame is probably uh, rebooting Doctor Who. In 2005, it had been off the air for 16 years, and it became arguably the most popular incarnation of Doctor Who. That's the one that started with David Tennant, right? Yep. Yeah. 
He also created and wrote the astonishing show Years and Years, which aired last year on BBC One in the UK and HBO in the US. And it starred our heartthrob, Russell Tovey. Uh. If you haven't seen Years and Years, uh, it's must-see TV. That show really freaked me out, especially now that the American elections are over. I feel like I can rewatch Years and Years with a a different head. I feel like now I could actually sit and watch years and years now that the election is over. <laughs> You're I, like, there. like, yeah, having looked like having read on what the show was and how like the character that Emma Thompson plays is portrayed. I was, I was basically like, no, I, I, I just, oh, you haven't watched it then. No, I have not <gasps> watched it. Matt. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> literally because I was like, I am not in the headspace to, sit and watch something like this right now when we're living it. So I was like, uh, so, but now that the election is over and hopefully we are on our path to doing better in this country, this world, <laughs> this world, maybe now I can try and stomach it. But this also just reminds me that maybe we need to look into doing looking too. Oh, absolutely. That, that's I love that show. So yeah. So anything to have Russell Tovey still in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> we can focus solely on the, the Russell Tovey oeuvre. I'd be very into it. But yeah, here is the synopsis of Thursday. On a night out clubbing, Stuart picks up 15-year-old Nathan on the street, and Vince is stalked home by a muscle daddy, in quotes, uh, that turns out to be just a daddy. Stuart and Nathan are naked in bed when they get the call that Stuart's lesbian friend Lisa has given birth to their child. Stuart and Vince drop young Nathan off at school, and we're given some foreshadowing that the random one-night stand has several more nights left in it. I love this episode. <laughs> I just got to say, after 83 think- <laughs> episodes of the Yes version, <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. Well, I figure you're also just going to say, I loved the series. <laughs> uh, that too, yeah. But yes, there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to us breaking into this because I agree. Big fan of this episode. So first, let's uh, let's do some actor introductions. Vince is played by Craig Kelly, probably best known as Luke Strong on Coronation Street for 78 episodes. And he also had two lines in Titanic. He was one of the radio men. He came up to the captain and said a couple words, and then I think he went down with the ship. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yep. Got it. I've seen Titanic so many times. I know exactly who he is. Okay. Craig Kelly is uh, a very prolific voiceover artist. So if you watch ITV shows at all, you've almost certainly heard him before. Law and Order UK, weeknights at 11 on ITV3. And I really love his portrayal of Vince Tyler in this show. I think he was one of the standout actors here. Yeah, I was a huge, huge fan of his portrayal in in this episode. Uh, Stewart is played by Aiden Gillen. I don't know where to start with this guy. He appeared on Peaky Blinders. Game of Thrones. There aren't a thousand blades. There aren't even 200. I've counted. He's awesome. (laughs) That's all I can say. Also, huge fan of his portrayal. And like, I guess for those who may not have seen the UK version just yet, which by the way, the version is, this is on uh, Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime in the US and in the UK, you can watch it on uh, Channel 4 On Demand. Oh, awesome. Um, I guess if you, you want to do like a, a quick, you know, side by side, Vince is the Michael and Stuart is the Brian. In titles only. <laughs> In titles only. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, Nathan is played by Charlie Hunnam, uh, best known, of course, as Jax Teller on Sons of Anarchy. 
I also realized that he was in the Pacific Rim movies. I didn't realize that at first. And then I remember sitting through those awful movies <laughs> and being like, wait a minute. I know who that guy is. And he, it's so funny to see him be like this young twink mm-hmm. here. And then knowing that he goes on to become someone like in Sons Jack of Anarchy, where, he, <laughs> yeah. where he is just, he is, man, he puts the jacked in Jack Teller. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my God. Don't ever sit on another man's bike, asshole. He also played the title role in Nicholas Nickleby, which was the first time I think I saw him post Queers Folk in a dramatic role. So these three leads of the show went on to outstanding careers, which can't really say that much about the U.S. version. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I will I will say, I mean, I think some, you know, went more the theater route. Others had some guest starring moments, but we never really, I haven't really seen anybody show up as like a series regular again. Gail Harold had a, a regular series, but they, they killed him off in the first season of the series and then carried on with a different actor for like three more years. It's like, Oh, Oof. Gail. Well, see, I remember him having a, like a short story line on desperate housewives. Oh yeah. And yeah. then he shows up as a Nazi on Grey's anatomy. Hmm. So that was fun. He was a psychotic doctor on Law and Order. Ah. A eugenics doctor. And of course, I saw Randy Harrison in the National Tour of Cabaret. That was fun. You saw his butt. I saw his butt that had a swastika on it. He was in uh, Mr. Robot, too. He had a short arc in Mr. Robot. Oddly enough, he was living in a loft with an older man. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Well, and then you have someone like Peter Page who, you know, has really taken... Oh, the role behind the camera creating yes, series. Yes. Again, the Fosters, I'm going to say it anytime. <laughs> Fosters is great. We'll have to add that to our podcast episode list. Yes. Okay. So uh, there's really only one story here. It's a, it's a night in the life of. So it's getting late. Lights on. I haven't copped off. Phil's not copped off. And Stuart. Stuart's copped off. These lovely moments when bars and clubs are just kind of spilling out onto the street after uh, the business wraps up, I love. I love participating in that. I love seeing that. People are either looking to go home with somebody or they're annoyed that their friends are going home with somebody. And I just like the way that this was really staged. It really captured that gay moment, that gay male moment of trying to find some dick or butt. Yep. It's like you find, you try and make it before the 2 a.m. bars close. And if you don't find it, that's why you go to the 3 or 4 a.m. bars. And then you go to Grinder. <laughs> so we see, I mean, uh, <laughs> we see Stuart uh, striding down Canal Street uh, like he's kind of in search of prey. It was this interesting slow motion shot where he's just kind of sizing up all the the animals on the side of the road and he comes across nathan had a good night yeah i'm stewart <clears throat> got somewhere to go no when i come back to mine There's something I've always wondered about here, and maybe this is a question that we'll have to answer after a few more episodes, though, is what did Stuart see in Nathan that first moment? Was it just like fresh meat? Was it Nathan's kind of demure appearance or was it something a little more sinister, like 
hey, you little boy. <laughs> I mean, what was it? Because there's this moment no, where it's I, like, oh, he turns around and he looks at him. It's like, wait, what caught your eye, Stuart? Oh, I would definitely say it's probably a mix of the first two. Because uh, I th- we know Stuart is going to be the kind of character that clearly has slipped around. He knows what's out there. So to see something new and exciting, of course he's going to be drawn to it. And then to also see that it's someone who's like a little unsure of themselves, someone who is like not sure where they are or where to go, that kind of thing. He's like, ah, mm-hmm. that's the easy one to pick off. Creepy. <laughs> sure. I got a number of creepy vibes here, but... Um, I don't remember having the creepy vibes when I first watched this uh, a long time ago. Uh, So I'm going to try to call those out as I go through and see what you think of those. Mm -hmm. So uh, they find their way back to Stuart's loft. And I love those kind of awkward moments when you walk into somebody's place for the first time, not exactly knowing what's going to happen next. Stuart didn't so much as like make out with Nathan as he tried to eat his face. I thought that kiss was like really awkward. Yeah, he just sort of like, he felt like he wanted to eat his chin. Yeah, this shot was awesome though, that kind of whirlwind circling around them. That really built up the intensity of that first virginal moment for young Nathan. Yes, and it manages to sort of feed into the excitement of the moment without the use of heavy editing. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed. So they uh, end up naked in bed. Uh, Go figure. Uh, (laughs) As one is to do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Stuart is on top of Nathan, clearly jerking him off. And I did have a question for you on this sex scene, Matt. When Stuart asks about rimming. Rimming. Yeah. Excellent. Go on then. Was he telling Nathan to rim him? Or was he telling Nathan to flip over and get rimmed? You know, I I really felt, or I've, I've always felt about this, in, at least in the UK, for, of what I've seen of the UK version, that Stuart is a little more versatile than, say, Brian. Mm. So I feel like he would have been down to eat or be eaten. But it, the positioning was kind of weird because he was still straddling him. Like, Nathan is face up. Stuart is straddling him. So I would say in that instance, maybe that was the clue that Nathan should flip over. Yeah. And, and right. be ready to, <laughs> yeah, be devoured. Yes. Uh, well, we never know what happens there because the phone rings and then Nathan blows his load all over. <laughs> <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite part of that is Stuart basically like, swatting his load right in Nathan's face. Oh, and you can see it too. If you slow yes, that down and go can. frame to frame, it's like in the air. <laughs> you can see that. Well, and like there's a moment where they do like this quick, uh, like close up on Nathan as, as uh, Stuart is, you know, getting dressed and you can see. Moisture. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, you can see it like right around the neck and on his face. So oh, nice load. Sweet. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, in the uh, accompanying story, Vince arrives at home, and okay, I think it's one thing to follow somebody home on or to follow somebody on foot and eventually catch up with them on the sidewalk. I think it's quite another thing to follow somebody in a car and then pull up behind them and then chat them up on the sidewalk. Nice car. Yeah, it's not mine. This where you live. Yeah. Look, it's nice to meet you, but the thing is, I'm up early working tomorrow, and I was up early this morning. And I'm working shifts, and I'm really tired. Are we shagging or what? It's pissing down. 
Yeah. Nah, thanks. Right. Nope. <laughs> Hard pass. I've been like, why the fuck are you following me home? Well, what yeah, what if you're totally into this guy, though? What if, you know, like Russell you would Tony have jumped that out of the car? You would have had that conversation before y'all got in the cars. That's true. Like, <laughs> right. it would have been like, hey, what's up? What's up? Follow me home. Like, yeah. give the permission. <laughs> if you're just going to do it, and it really pissed me off when it was like, are we going to shag or not? I would have been like, uh, no. Right. <laughs> we're done. We've been done. We were never started. <laughs> like, please. No, thank you. I did like Vince's moment of hesitation. And then he's like, fuck it. I'm getting some. <laughs> it's like, come on in. <laughs> I respect it. I've been there. Lord knows I've been there. I, that's why I went to Charlie's at 3 a.m. Sometimes you just need to find the easy one. That's right. And and sometimes that, and that's kind of how you have to do it. Um, I love Vince so much. <laughs> yeah. And we're only like seven minutes into the show. <laughs> we're like, I we're am, relating to this guy. I basically fell in love with him mm. even just in that first walk with him and Stuart as they're leaving the bars and they that's when they first noticed the muscle daddy who keeps staring at him i was like i, I love vince i want everything about him he's adorable we and, could yeah. hang with him yeah yes so his moment of truth comes where the creeper uh that followed him home who managed to get inside of his apartment with invitation uh ends up wearing some kind of shaping device he looked like an umpire. Like, what is going on? <laughs> have you ever had anything like that happen to you before? No. I think I have. That was so strange. Like, I feel like it's one thing if someone is wearing, like, slightly padded underwear. Yes, I, okay. that, that was mine. It was, like, it was a, a carefully arranged sock. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'm talking more like the, the ass region. That's oh, yeah. one thing. Sure. But this was, like, full-on gear yeah, I was like, what? At that point, like, you really have to call out the false advertising and be like, listen, I don't know why you did all of this, but I didn't sign up for that. Right. You can go. Put it back on. <laughs> that said, I will say, I think they played it up a little too much that the guy was out of shape and clearly like, like him picking at his belly button and stuff like that. I was like, okay. Yeah, it kind of turned into like body shaming, which I guess mm -hmm. in 1999 kind of wasn't really a thing. Uh, that it wasn't, it wasn't as outwardly outspoken, I would say. Yeah, at least until like you know that, that's sort of just what they were doing. Nowadays, like no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this. There are all sorts of bodies that can be attractive, and that you can be attracted to. And like, let's say that, that's one of the reasons why I'm really want to talk about looking because yeah. they handled that beautifully. Yeah. And so that, that really bugged me and was highly unnecessary. I think if they had just acknowledged that he had put on all this gear and shit, I mean, like, hold on, what is all that? That's odd. Please leave. Then again, I also would have been like, you followed me home. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that would have been my first clue. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> So let's talk about uh, what is probably going to be a recurring awkward topic in this show, which is that Nathan Maloney is 15. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. at the time of shooting this, the age of consent in the UK for male-on-male -male action was 18. A year later, the age of consent was equalized to the female and male age of 16. That Nathan was underage has always been a big point of contention about this show. And I think there's two ways to look at this. We all know that this goes on. There are clever underage kids right on the cusp 
that kind of wiggle their way into adult situations unbeknownst to the grownups. Shame on them for not, you know, carding at the door. But aside from that, uh, second, this show was kind of astonishingly fearless. When we hear the breathtaking, over-the-top descriptions of the U.S. version being groundbreaking, the U.K. series was always a bit of a fuck you in the late 1990s. It wasn't groundbreaking. It didn't try to be. It was It was just out-and-out out fearless. So if we look at this character as an archetype and a storytelling device, I think Nathan being 15 has a really different meaning. But in the end, he didn't really have to be 15 to tell this story. He very easily could have been 16, right on the bubble of that being legalized. The shock value really brought attention to the show, but it also resulted in advertiser pullouts. So I don't think that Nathan being 15 really serviced the story the way that it could have if he was, say, 16 and approaching that legal determination. What do you think, Matt? Yes, I, I'm, I'm I'm in agreement of a lot of what you said. I think especially when it comes to gay men, given that so much of our sexual experiences can start when we are younger because because so much of it is hidden, like we it's more difficult to have those experiences, you know, cause so many people are like in the closet and you know, you can't have, you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't have those kinds of relationships, uh, the way say straight couples could with people your own age, like everything had to be so secretive, you know, that I mean, welcome to the history of what I meant to be cruising as a closeted gay man. So I understand it can be shocking when you hear the age difference. Also have to acknowledge that to a gay man, it's not quite as shocking. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. 15, though, is young. I will say that is, I mean, sorry to call out to the U.S. version, but he was 17, about to be 18. So it made it weird, but like a little less weird here Especially now that we have, we're seeing this from 2020, 15, that's like, whoa, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, I just don't think it served the story the way that it, it just didn't have to serve the story that way. Yeah. And even in, even they have the same joke about like, we both had a child tonight. Aren't you going to introduce us? Uh, what's your name again? Nathan. Oh, you've met Lisa. This is Nathan. Lisa was on the phone when Nathan shot his load all over me. Oh, for God's sake. Well, he did. He's 15, aren't you, Nate? So you both had a child on the same night? It was yeah. still so glossed over. Ha, ha, ha. But it's like, <laughs> no, he really did have a child. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of child, I remember this being a big surprise when I first watched the show, like that um, they go to the hospital, and it, it's a little unclear what's happening until we get this reveal of Lisa and the baby. I remember being surprised at that and a little disappointed because I'm like, wait a minute, this is a queer show. What's going on here? What are these babies doing here? <laughs> well, he also, the, Stuart was like interested in his child. Yeah. <laughs> like he was excited. <laughs> and, and I was like a little taken aback by that. I was like, oh, you, you want, did you want to have this child? That's kind of beautiful. Like there's something about the way Stuart is portrayed that I think makes him a lot more human. Mm-hmm. And less godlike yeah. than, say, Brian. And I think that's, I'm really drawn to that. Like, there's a confidence and a bit of an ego, but it's not, 
I'm still utterly charmed by him for yeah. some reason. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There's one a little bit of nerd play that I like that Vince did where Stuart says, Vince, run a check on Alfred. Vince, run a check on Alfred. Alf Roberts, Alfie, Michael Caine. Alf, that American sitcom with a puppet. Bit dodgy, but that's forgotten by the time he's in school. Unless it's on cable. I bet they've got it on Bravo. <laughs> oh. Alfred's the name of Batman's butler. Marvelous. Good name. Vince just spews out all this nerd trivia. Pop culture knowledge that was such a turn on for me. Oh, I know. I loved it. I was just thinking the whole time, like, <laughs> okay, this is a great way to establish this character. This is the the first time that we're seeing this character and meeting him. And now we, we've got a good picture into who he is and what he's about. It was a great way to, to introduce him. Yeah, huge, huge. Just loved it. I loved it. <laughs> as soon as he said that stuff, I'm like, you are speaking my language. Marry me. <laughs> <laughs> so Stuart and Vince go up on the roof. These moments between close friends are always like super cute. This scene was really only there to kind of define the relationship between Stuart and Vince for us, the audience. Otherwise, what the fuck are they doing on the roof pretending to fly? We see for the first time, though, that Vince has a kind of has a thing for Stuart, and he got a boner over Stuart. I was like, oh, that's cute. I like that. Oh, my God. Vince, hard on. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> I didn't know you cared. Oh, no one's looking. Go on. Get it out. Get it out. Oh, oh. six months since I've had a shag. It's like Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> You sad bastard. And he was like playful with it. Mm -hmm. And like Stuart was kind of like playing along. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> so everyone gets back to their flats. Uh, Vince goes right for a vintage Doctor Who tape from, I think, the 50s or the 60s. Uh, Stuart goes for <laughs> Nathan's ass. <laughs> Just tongue deep in it. So something Which, I do want to point out, though, is that this was like real rimming. This was on broadcast television in 1999. Uh, and like, I will say shout out to Charlie Hunnam for nailing what I think is the absolute right reaction when you're rimmed for the first time. No one told you about that, did they? There is just something that doesn't really prepare you for it. And it's just sort of this feeling of utter euphoria. When I am so turned on right now. <laughs> I just, I, I love being rimmed and I love rimming. Like it is one of my absolute favorite pleasures. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm just going to let you go. This, this moment. <laughs> <laughs> so like to see like the fact that he's building up to it and like rolling his tongue up his back and then like starting lower and lower and lower. And then you just know the second he gets his tongue in there, it's just wow. And can we talk about Charlie Hunnam's ass also? Holy shit. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. That the director here, uh, Charles McDougall, he did not waste a single frame of film. He used it all. Every shot of Charlie Hunnam's butt made it into this episode. <laughs> That's great. Because oh, he saw he saw that in the frame. And he's like, um, this is getting like a special guest star credit. Because, That's right. My God. Charlie Hunnam was 19 when this was filmed. I got to say that this scene used to get me so worked up. I used to jerk off to this scene. Like back before porn could just be like summoned by Surrey or something like that. Mm -hmm. this, this, was, this was it for me in 1999. 
It's, I mean, to this day, I could still use it. <laughs> so uh, here, here comes the, the cute moment, the morning after. Um, as such a cute wake up moment for Nathan, freshly deverginated, all in love with Stuart. He kind of gingerly reaches out to say, I'm going to try to put my arm around him. It was so cute. Loved it. Mm-hmm. That like is like you don't know if that's a boundary or not. Oh, right, right. It's so cute. Then that moment when Stuart stepped into the shower with Nathan, I was like, oh my God, this is like such a good show. <laughs> Did you notice that I think Nathan is taller than Stuart? Is he? And when they got in that shower, I was like, I feel like Stuart has to look up to Nathan. Mm, we're going to have to pay attention to this. Not that it's a bad thing, right? No, no, no. I mean, go back and look at it because it's, it's it's fun. It's it's something I really, really enjoyed. And I think, may, I think maybe that kind of helps the whole age thing. Mm, yeah. Nathan's seen as a little bit more of a grown up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's odd, but yeah. Oh, and like, that's the thing, like. You thought you would think that Stuart was pissed off and wants him to get out as soon as possible, but he's still like, he's still here. Right. And they yeah. still go out in the shower. It's so great. Did you see that Nathan stole Stuart's underwear on the way out? Oh, yeah. I love doing that. The I do sniff that all the time. Away. Yeah. <laughs> there are countless gentlemen in uh, Chicago and London that no longer have a certain pair of underwear. So be it. So Vince picks up Stuart and Nathan uh, the next morning. I kind of like this. It's like Vince takes the car home. Then it's like, okay, got to go pick up Stuart and drop him off at work and drop the young man off at school. After Stuart tries to run down all the school children. I still found that charming. I can't like, I can't explain it. I laughed when it happened. I was like, yeah, get him. I don't know. Can you still like show that type of thing? Given that cars are now often used as terrorist weapons against people on sidewalks. Oh, wow. I never, I that that thought never crossed my mind. I mean, it is attempted murder, right? He, he just floored uh, yeah. it down the sidewalk. <laughs> I mean, like a little. <laughs> so we see that uh, on the side of the Jeep, uh, the ruffians at Vince's flat had spray painted queers. Nice touch. Can I see you again? Let's just go. Can I see you again? You can see me now. Nathan, where have you been? Piss off. Oh, now you're a little friend. I could meet you tonight. God knows where I'll be tonight, you know? I could be anywhere. I could be an Ipswich. Come on, boys, give us a kiss. <laughs> I'll give you a good fuck, you tight little virgin. You won't be laughing then. <laughs> Go in now, Stuart. Just shut your face and drive. Can I see you, though? Oh, you'll see me, all right. You can't miss me. Something about this scene that I noticed is that Nathan didn't care at all that people were looking at him all aghast, like all of his classmates. He was like in the moment with Stuart. He only wanted to get Stuart's attention. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was really, really clever writing to keep him focused on Stuart until the very moment that Stuart drove off and Nathan is then turned around and confronted with the reality of where he is. It's like his Cinderella night's over. That euphoria has now dripped away in the real world's back. Yeah, I love that. So there's some ending narration from Nathan. This, This is great. The episode starts out with, Vince narrating, we have interstitial narration from Stuart, and then Nathan ties it all together. It's interesting that there's some dramatic foreshadowing here. It's like built-in next time on Queer as Folk aspect to his narration, the whole six months later he's begging me to stay. I love that. I love knowing that there's nine more episodes, and we get this little tidbit like right in the episode. I was just a shag. I knew that. Suppose I fell in love a bit, like you do. I thought, I'll never see him again. 
How was I to know? Stuart Allen Jones. <laughs> Six months later, he was begging me to stay. I'm curious to know what you think of this narration device. Because, like, the way they treat it, like, it's an interview, whereas we're used to just, like, such a simple voiceover narration. Here, it's like we are getting, like, direct address to the camera. I liked it. I felt like it strips away all these kind of stylistic things where the director is trying a little too hard and the writer tried a little too hard to have this visual montage going on the whole time. I like that it was straight to camera. I like that the actors were very raw. They were real people. They weren't done up. They were even a little shine on the forehead in a couple of places. <laughs> I remember it bothered me at first when I first watched the show a long time ago. I was like, oh, that's not pretty. <laughs> but now I look at it and I'm like, okay, I, I'm there. I'm good with that. What do you think? Oh, I was I was very into it. I thought like if you're going to make a strong choice to introduce this series, what a way to do it. And it makes me curious like what is this? What is this interview or is this just you know, what is this direct address? Is it leading to something else? I like that it just didn't rely on saying I'm just going to do a voiceover here. It's like, no, we're going to still put it on camera. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Like, if you're going to make a choice, make the choice. It kind of reminds me of what uh, that listener told us about the U.S. version, which or she put forth a, a theory that this was uh, Michael recapping this entire section of his life. And maybe that's uh, kind of the same thing here where we see Vince in like interview mode at the beginning and he's mm -hmm. recapping. OK, so that's it for episode one. Really nice, tight story. 24 hours day in the life of. It wasn't even that. I guess it was more like... Uh, 12? <laughs> eight? It, well, not, yeah. <laughs> it was a night. It was a night yeah. in the morning. So yeah, I guess maybe like 12 hours. <laughs> so let's talk tops and bottoms here. Uh, what was your top, Matt? Uh, Vince. Good choice. Yes. Uh, he, like, just, uh, just the right kind of nerdy for me. And he just, and he was just, he just also just looked adorable. We would get along so well. Um, and also the pacing. I mean, you know, yes, these sh the, this show is only half hour compared to the hour long drama that we watched. But I mean, it moves. Mm -hmm. So I really love the pacing of it. I really liked the seduction scene in Stewart's flat. Nathan was just so apprehensive, yet he really wanted to be there. And the way it was acted and blocked, the way it was shot, all made it very believable. I think the sex scenes were hyper-realistic too, which really made for an intense encounter. So that was that was my high point of the episode. Uh, what was your bottom? I guess, and we called out earlier, it's that body shaming with the, with the mm. stalker with Vince. I, I mean, you, you could have just called attention to the fact that this guy followed him home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but instead, we, it, felt, it felt like there had to be like a bit of a humiliation happening too, and I didn't think that was necessary. Okay. My bottom was, I guess I really had to search for one, but I guess I'll settle in on Nathan being 15. I think the same story could have been told with Nathan being 16 and completely avoided that kind of skeezy factor. But I'm also willing to give Russell T. Davies the benefit of the doubt on this one since 1999 Manchester was a long time ago in society mm -hmm. and gay culture. So looking at it now in 2020, almost 2021, mm, not too sure about it. This has been episode one of season one, and it was called Thursday. Next time on Still Queer's Folk, with newfound confidence, Nathan comes out to his best friend 
and pursues Stuart, who wants no attachments. Vince is still in the closet at work and receives awkward romantic attentions. That'll be episode two of season one, and it's called Stuart Allen Jones. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Patrick Randall. And I'm Matt Dominguez. Still Queer's Focus, a production of Slightly Unbalanced. Matt Dominguez wrote and performed the show with me tonight. Still Queer's Folk was made with love in Chicago. <laughs>